There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Luke's English Podcast is supported by donations. And if you'd like to make a donation, that would be very nice. You can do it by clicking one of the yellow PayPal donate buttons that you'll see on my website. Also, the podcast is supported through the premium subscription. And if you sign up to that, you can access over 100 video and audio episodes with PDF downloads to work on your vocabulary, your grammar and your pronunciation. Okay, and if you want all the information and you'd like to sign up, then just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? Hope you're doing fine today in podcast land. So in this episode, you can learn English with the Beatles as we look at specific bits of English which appear in the lyrics of their songs. I'm joined again by Anthony Rotuno from the Glass Onion on John Lennon podcast. Anthony is also an English teacher and something of a John Lennon expert. He's also a musician, and a lot of the credit for this episode goes to him because he did most of the preparation, going through lyrics of Beatles songs and picking out specific use of English, including certain phrases and idioms. So this is like a quiz, actually. Can you name the songs when Anthony plays them? And can you beat me? Which could be quite difficult because I'm pretty quick when it comes to games like this, especially on the topic of the Beatles. Anyway, can you name the songs from the lyrics and from the music? Anthony's got his guitar with him in this episode, and he will be playing little snippets of some of the songs. Uh, so there are also a few references to the Ruttles and Neil Innes, of course, but for us, those songs are all part of the Beatles' extended universe. I will chat to you again at the end of the episode, and I'll sum up some of the bits of language that come up during this conversation. But now, let's get started. It's funny that uh, I'm really pleased that we're doing this for many reasons, but one of them is that I, um, I actually went through a book of Beatles lyrics. And to be honest, most of the examples I'm citing here are John Lennon's Beatles songs. Uh, I didn't find so many in the solo years, but general comments, um, Beatles comment, Beatles lyrics were quite literate. Um, they all went to uh, grammar schools for the main three guys. And uh, John and Paul certainly liked Alice in Wonderland, which is where you get a lot of imagery. And when they grew up, when they were growing up in the fifties, I think Chuck Berry was probably the only songwriter who really had narratives in his lyrics. If you make a comparison, I love Buddy Holly. I could listen to Buddy Holly's 20 greatest hits forever, but the lyrics are quite simple. You know, they're great, but Chuck Berry had these, had these like pithy kind of stories Chuck Berry's amazing. His lyrics are absolutely brilliant. Yeah, as you said, little no stories, narratives. Uh, he, he was really great and um, very poetic and very articulate. I think he's really underestimated as, as a lyricist. But the sort of tradition in those days, in the early 60s, would be simplicity. And one of the things that's very interesting, the first five Beatles singles, Love Me Do, Please Please Me, From Me to You, She Loves You, I want to hold your hand, uh, pronouns. And it was a deliberate thing. I don't know if it was deliberate while they were writing the songs, but they clearly had it in mind. It, it was a way of reaching out to the fans, saying from me to you or from us to you. And they had a TV show, a radio show called From Us to You, anyway. Um, so it was very direct. But do you know the story of how John Lennon came to start using more imagery in his lyrics? Do you know that? No, I don't. I, I think I don't, no. It's a sort of mixture of things. Have you ever read uh, his books, his first two books, in his own right and expanded in the works? Yeah, I've read a lot of those. Yeah, my mum and dad had those books. So they were sort of on, on the bookshelves growing up. And uh, also Grapefruit, Yoko Ono's book as well. So yeah. my brother and I used to sometimes pick them up and just sort of like leaf through and, and see. Yeah, funny, funny poems, basically. 
Yeah, I don't know if they've been much good to our English students because they're <laughs> they're going to totally warp their. Uh, because yeah, because uh, there's some great like stuff. There's loads of social commentary, and there's just like it's a sort of nonsense, but nonsense in a good way. And my favourite one is he he describes Princess Margaret as priceless margarine, which is just <laughs> brilliant. I mean, because it's a dig. It's having a little dig at the royals, but yeah. in a gentle way. I guess know? the thing about Lennon's uh, prose is that he would sort of find ways in which words sounded like other words, and then he would turn them into those other words. Mm. Like, you know, um, there's that famous one about the general election. General erection. The general erection over the torchies. With a small margarine over the torchies. With a small margarine over the torchies, which is a small majority over the Tories. And then something about... um, Entering Powell, yeah, an abscess of Powell or something, something like that. I can't. Remember. I haven't read it, but we can do. <laughs> we can do a show about it fairly soon. I'll send yeah. it to you. We've done it. Okay. As you all know, Harris Wilsard won the general election with a very small Marjorie over the torches, thus putting the Labouring Party back into Powell after a large abscess. This he could not have done without span the barking of the trade onions, headed by Frank Cunnings who now has a safe seat in non-eating, thank you. And stuff like um, there was a politician called Alec Douglas Home or Whom, and he he, he has him as Alice Doubtless Whom. So you've got Alice, you know, you've got casting him as a female. There's just so much in that book, but you you don't think for a second that John Lennon thought it all out. You know, it's clearly just coming out of this amazing brain that he had. Yeah. Um, But what I was going to say was that he, he did an interview with a BBC journalist called Kenneth Allsop, and after the interview, Kenneth Allsop said to John Lennon, I've noticed, you know, why, why don't your song lyrics have all this clever imagery in them? And he said, well, you know, I think of song lyrics is one thing and writing is another thing. And he said, well, why don't you do that? And John Lennon thought, hmm. And then when uh, Bob Dylan, marijuana and uh, LSD came into his life, that was really where the transition came. Mm-hmm. So suddenly you get all this imagery. So there's there's a definite sort of demarcation point, really. Uh, around 65, I'd probably say, maybe even 64, where the lyrics started to change. And yeah. Paul pretty much kept up with him. Yeah. People often say this is another the sort of John Paul dichotomy, which is uh, not really the case, that people often sort of reductively say John Lennon was the lyrics guy, Paul was the melody or music guy. But it's not. that's also not really true, that Paul came up with great lyrics and John also had some great melodies in there too. Mm. But actually, going looking through a list of Beatles songs that I've got on Spotify, and I was thinking, hmm, I wonder which songs I would pick in terms of lyrics. Almost all of them were John Lennon songs. There are a few Paul ones in there too, like I love uh, Fool on the Hill, She's Leaving Home. And a lot of the, a lot of his songs, but oddly, the ones that stuck out for me are John's songs. Mm. Yeah. Well, George Martin said it best, and I mean, he was there. You know, he was their producer. He said John saw songs as lyrics that needed music, and Paul saw songs as music that needed lyrics. So there you have it. You yeah. know, it's not an either or. You know, it's not a hundred percent either way. But yeah, um, yeah, I, th- I think that's fair enough. Yes, I think so. Can I show you? Um, these are all my examples. I'm not going to be able to go through all of them, am I? See, I've done my homework there. Let's just do what we can in the time we that we've got. Okay. <laughs> As a general rule of life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, I'll, I'll let you choose and pick and choose whatever you want to do. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I might sing a few and I've got my guitar here. I'll just, I'm not going to be giving performances. Don't worry. But, uh, um, I try to divide these into sections, but uh, yeah, I'll get you to, yeah, let's do guess the song. So um, I'm going to love her till the cows come home. I'm going to love her till the cows come home. It's, it's when, deep. yeah, go on, go on. it's go when on. I, when I get home. Very impressive. This is deep Beatles. When I get home, this is not well-known songs. I got a chip on my shoulder. That's bigger than my feet. I'll cry instead. Very good. So you got, the cows come home, chip on my shoulder, which we talked about. When the cows uh, come, sorry, when the cows come home, meaning sort of, you know, for a long time, I'll, I'll, I'm going to do something until the cows come home. Till It's until yeah. the cows come home, meaning for a long time. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny that those two lyrics, uh, he gets sort of a bit lambasted for. I mean, they're a bit clunky. I've got a chip on my shoulder that's bigger than my feet. It's not the greatest lyric in the world. <laughs> um, 
Well, my heart went boom when I crossed that room, etc. Yeah, it's uh, it's um, she, she was just seventeen. Yeah, that's is, is that the, is that the saw her standing there? Of course, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's my heart went boom. So that's uh, an onomatopoeia. You know, you make the the sound of it like buzz or hum. So boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom. Your heart, um, his heart went boom as he crossed that room. Yeah, that's it. This one you won't have to guess because this is the title. It won't be long till I belong to you. So a little bit of wordplay. It won't be long until I belong to you. Very nice. That's quite nice. Yeah. Um, easy one. I don't know why she's riding so high. Shoulda think twice, shoulda do right by me. Ticket to ride. Ticket to ride. Very good. So riding so high. It's the idea of being really happy, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I sort of imagine like riding high in the saddle, like as if she's up on a horse, and which suggests that maybe she's even on on her high horse, which is like when someone feels morally superior. But I don't know why she. I've always wondered about that. I don't know why she's riding so high. I don't know what he means really about this girl. I think there is a drug connotation as well. They they loved putting those sort of sneaky references in. So it's a bit like that. I think riding so high would be like if you're on a high, if like your life's going well or something. That's the way I look at it. She ought to think twice. She ought to do right by me. Meaning I don't know why she's feeling so pleased with herself. She should, you know, um, please me. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of that on songs. I think they were still at the point where the lyrics didn't always really make sense. It wasn't really a narrative. You know, I think yeah. that came a bit later. Yeah. Um, should we carry on? Um, I don't know the chords for this. I'll make a point of taking her away from you. Watch what, what you, you do. do. Yeah, well, you treat her. What else can I do? You're going to lose that girl. Very good. Yeah. So I'll make a point of, I'm going to make a special effort to do this. I'll make a point of taking her away from you. Yeah, I'm going to make a point of taking her away from you. The lyrics in that are great. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. Um, oh, here we go. I sat on a rug, biding my time, drinking her wine. It's um, Norwegian word, open brackets, this bird has flown, close brackets. And the bird may refer to the English word for lady. This bird has flown. This bird has flown. That's a um, great song, but that's got a kind of a story to it. Yeah, yeah. He was having an affair. We actually know. I mean, this is the this is kind of the dark side of John Lennon. He was having an affair with a lady called Sonny Freeman, and they actually lived in the flat upstairs or downstairs. I can't remember. So John and Cynthia are one floor. Robert Freeman, who was a photographer who took some iconic photos of the Beatles, and he's and he's wife or girl well his wife yeah sonny freeman john and sonny freeman were having an affair norwegian wood refers to this sort of very modern furniture so the idea was that this is kind of a modern lady and it's interesting as well because she she leaves him uh what is he lying in the bath he sleeps in the bath so she kind of does what she uses him almost Use him for what she wants, and then but then they set the they set the house on fire, which apparently was Paul McCartney's idea. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the song, they actually burned down the house. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. worth a listen. Yeah, we could, yeah. you know, uh, uh, I could go into these song lyrics in more detail. Maybe pick out one or two songs and do them, which is something I plan on doing in the future. But this is yeah, great. Let's yeah. keep let's keep going. Okay, that was biding my time, by the way. So biding my time, uh, taking my time to see what happens, you know. Yeah, to bide your time. One thing, I feel like you're you're going chronologically here. Am I right? Um, a little bit. I might be, yeah, a little bit. I, I kind of put it into sort of wordplay, and then I've got some stuff on colours, which is quite interesting. Yeah. And then we get to the surreal imagery. So, so yeah, in a rough, in a rough uh, chronology, yeah. Mm-hmm. Please don't spoil my day, I'm miles away. And after all, I'm only sleeping. I'm miles away. So the again, brilliant double meaning because again, it's almost certainly a sort of a part reference. But I'm miles away means I'm, I'm daydreaming. I'm not paying attention. You yeah. know, you always get like there's always one student in your class as an English teacher who's not focusing. They're staring out the window, and you're like, uh, you know saying their name uh sergio or whoever it is yeah. Sergio's like huh no. uh, <clears throat> sergio and he's like he's miles away 
Like, yeah, if got... he said to you, if he said to you, sorry, teacher, I was miles away, you'd be impressed. I'd be like, you need that yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. You know, sorry, sorry about that, Luke. I was miles away, meaning I wasn't yeah. concentrating. I was in a daydream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You get bonus points mm-hmm. for that, for sure. Oh, this is a good one, yeah. Um, if she's gone, I can go on feeling two foot small. Uh, you've got to hide your love away. Very good. It's the song. Now the, and, yeah. Now, the good thing here is that this is a. The Beatles liked happy accidents. So the original lyric was feeling two foot tall, but I think he just sang by accident feeling two foot small. And of course, it worked perfectly because then suddenly you're feeling small, like you're, you're very insecure, l- lacking in confidence. But is it, a, is it a phrase that is sometimes used, like to feel two foot tall? No, I think you'd say I feel 10 feet tall, wouldn't you? Right. That's what people say. Again, it's a bit like riding so high. You're just feeling really happy with everything. It's it's yeah, interesting it's to well. sort of understand how he how maybe in song lyrics you get from a phrase that people know that's commonly used and uh, the, the 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 songwriter has t- gone from that place to another place which creates a sort of interesting image or something so i feel 10 foot tall is like what you'd say if you felt really proud of yourself like you know yeah. well done you've got the award you know here you go congratulations how do you feel oh i'll tell you what i feel 10 foot tall i don't know why i'm doing it in a northern accent but i am so <laughs> I, feel I, feel, 10 foot tall. I feel 10 foot tall this is amazing um, but then John singing a uh, feeling two foot small, uh, yeah, meaning I guess feeling the opposite of proud of yourself, feeling kind of ashamed or belittled or something. I know what you mean. I don't know how you get from 10 feet tall to two feet small by accident, but, uh, I think maybe, maybe the genius is going with the accident. Maybe that's something that they almost pioneered. They all had that sense of, well, if, it, if I got it wrong, yeah, but that sounds better than the original lyric. Go with it. Yeah. I think, I think they were lucky. The, a big part of the, I'm not going to say a big part of their success because that was a bone of contention, but George Martin, they, they hundred percent had the best producer they could possibly get. Yeah. And I think he was on board with that. Although he comes across as a bit sort of weirdly enough. Do you know that he was actually apparently more working class than any of them, mm. but he, he, he suddenly, he got this posh accent and then it was like, Oh yes, chaps, you know, okay, like, boys, let's, let's take it from the top. Okay, boys. He's got, mm. he's like got an absolutely cut glass, upper class English accent like this. And he's, you know, thoroughly posh, but he, he, in fact, he came from very, a very poor background. And this, this was in the days when, uh, acquiring that accent was, was considered fine. In fact, a good thing to do that. It was all part of bettering yourself. And that that's why it's called, I guess why it's called received pronunciation. Cause you, you sort of receive it, you learn it. So yeah, he, he, you know, put on this, uh, very posh voice and, and sort of worked his way up into this top job in a top recording company. And he did sort of an amazing success story himself. I mean, the Beatles story is just full of these incredible individuals who just, I guess, by chance all ended up working together. Um, yeah, but it was amazing. You were saying John, uh, George Martin was perfect for them because he, he, he also had worked with comedians, um, before and stuff. And so he was able to incorporate the, the comedy of the Beatles into the, into their work. He, it didn't put him off. Like some producers would have been, um, unable to deal with it and they were like you know oh, i can't handle these beetles but george you know was encouraged it and liked it and was able to work with it um 100 they all had this subversive side i think that's what it comes down to yeah so again taking something that people know and then subverting it just sort of changing it a little bit you that's, know that's kind of what i mean when i say that in the beatles lyrics are they've got sort of jokes in them but not full not not full-on blatant jokes but there are things that I feel refer to other phrases or other things that everyone knows and they twist them slightly mm. like changing certain phrases with other words to give a slightly different flavor. And I feel like I, I sometimes wonder if, if even if American listeners pick up on the same bits of humor in the Beatles lyrics as, mm. uh, as Brits do, you know? Yeah. But I guess, I guess for American listeners, it just adds extra quirkiness an extra kind of originality even if they don't necessarily understand everything um it, it sort of adds adds color and character to it maybe they just pick up on it again without realizing 
exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, the Ruttles just came to mind. One of the geniuses of Neil Innes, who wrote those Ruttles songs, <laughs> was taking the idea of using phrases. And then, um, I mean, this is, this is just amazing. Uh, for the song Help, he came up with a song called Ouch. Ouch, you're breaking my heart. And uh, he talks about upsetting the apple cart. So he's doing this brilliant thing where the Beatles didn't generally use necessarily idioms and proverbs. So Neil Innes had the thought, well, why don't I use some really kind of clunky idioms for comedic effect? And, you know, there's a song, All You Need Is Love. He he did love life where there's a will, there's a way. It's yeah. brilliant. <laughs> there's another one in that. His, all his lyrics, including his non-Ruttle stuff, are full of these sort of, uh, platitudes these sorts of like sayings that your mother would know um like uh where there's a will there's a oh no no it's just where there's a will there's a way but yeah. some of his songs some of his other songs that are not ruttles ones are, are almost entirely made up of those kinds of sayings like do you yeah. know the one um spaghetti western i don't know if it's a bit oh i don't know if i've heard that actually uh it's a bit obscure um spaghetti western <laughs> Yeah, it's from his um, in his book of records TV show, and he also recorded the the um, the song for one of his albums. And it's a, it's a kind of um, pastiche of a spaghetti western song. and people stepped aside because he was no good and it's not because he was no good like morally but literally he was no good with the gun like he couldn't shoot oh, straight. that's why people were stepping aside and other things like um you know he was he was no good because of bad luck he never mm. knew a mother's love he was like a wolf in a sheep's clothing <laughs> or an iron hand in a velvet glove and brilliant it's almost like he's taken a taken a list of idioms and thought which ones can i use yeah absolutely but it wasn't the internet then was it so I yeah it was all in his head i think you know that that's just the genius of neil innes yeah well there's a, there's a great um there's a great bit of wordplay actually the song that's supposed to be get back is called get up and go get up and go but it's he has a great double meaning of uh he had a lot of get up and go which is obviously a lot of energy. Yeah. And then he says, get up and go back home. Get up and go back home. He didn't have a lot of what you might call it, but he had a lot of get up and go. Get up and go. Get up and go. Get up and go back home. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. I think comedy records are an absolute art. I mean, Brave Sir Robin from The Holy Grail. <laughs> They talk brave, about brave, Sir Robin, Sir Robin. Um, yeah, that's Neil Innes. In danger, yeah. yeah, when danger reared its ugly head, he bravely fled or something. He's talking about because he runs away from the three-headed. What's the oh, the knights that say me? There's, there's, there's a yeah in in the Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which follows the Knights of the Round Table, and mm. one of them is called Sir Robin, and he's followed by his band of minstrels who play songs wherever he goes and the lead minstrel is played by neil innes in the in the film mm. and so robin is going around and his his min, his band of minstrels are, are singing about how brave he is yeah. um and then when robin actually does come across a, a monster he runs away and then the minstrels yeah. are like taunting him brave yeah. so robin ran away yeah. uh, and and uh and it's like when when danger reared its ugly head, he bravely turned his tail and fled. Brave, 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 Sir Robin. Yeah. And he's going, I didn't, I didn't. Shut up. Yeah, but even before, but actually, I just remember before then, he's talking about all the horrible things that could happen. He was not in the frame. Da da da. And then they get to his and his penis. Oh, stop. 
<laughs> he's talking about all the horrible things that can happen, like disemboweling and things. I don't remember the lyrics. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, it goes, uh, it's basically, brave, bravely bold Sir Robin rode forth from Camelot. He was not afraid to die, oh, brave Sir Robin. He was not at all afraid to be killed in nasty ways. Brave, 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 brave Sir Robin. Meanwhile, Robin's like looking slightly less happy as the song goes on. He was not in the least bit scared to be mashed into a pulp or to have his eyes gouged out and his elbows broken, <laughs> to have his kneecaps split and his body burned away and his limbs all hacked and mangled brave Sir Robin. His head smashed in and his heart cut out, his liver removed and his bowels unplugged, his nostrils raped and his bottom burnt off and his penis split and his... That's enough, that's enough music now. Yeah, when he gets the penis, he goes, oh, that's enough for now, lads. <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> the tale of Sir Robin. So each of the knights went their separate ways. Sir Robin rode north through the dark forest of Ewing, accompanied by his favourite minstrels. Bravely bold Sir Robin rode forth from Camelot. He was not afraid to die. Oh, brave Sir Robin. He was not at all afraid to be killed in nasty ways. Brave, 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 brave Sir Robin. He was not in the least bit scared to be mashed into a pulp. Or to have his eyes gouged out and his elbows broken. To have his kneecap split and his body burned away. And his limbs all hacked and mangled, brave Sir Robin. His head smashed in and his heart cut out and his liver removed and his bowels unplugged and his nostrils raped and his bottom burnt off and his penis... That's, that's, uh, that's enough music for now, lads. <laughs> brave Sir Robin ran away. No! Bravely ran away, away. I didn't! When danger reared its ugly head, he bravely turned his tail no. and played. Yes, brave Sir Robin turned about I didn't. and gallantly he chickened out. I never did. He beat a very brave retreat. Oh, Um, just a little, this is not, I'm not going to play this, but, um, uh, yeah, double meanings again, day tripper could be someone going on a day trip to the beach, or again, it could be someone who takes LSD at the weekend and then has a normal straight life. So again, it's, it's almost like a quite sort of pointed social comment there. Ticket to Ride, interestingly, there is a place called Ride on the Isle of Wight, R-Y-D-E. It may have been a sort of nod to that. And, yeah, you would go down and buy a ticket to Ride, meaning literally a ticket to to a place called Ride, (laughs) which, again, is another little, almost like a little in-joke, I guess, between the members of the band. That's it, yeah. Probably did get a ticket to Ride, and that's a good name for a song, though. Should write a song about that. Ticket to Ride. Um, this one, I mean, again, the title's here. It's been a hard day's night and I've been working like a dog. It's been a hard day's night, I've been sleeping like a log. So similes, working like a dog, sleeping like a log. Yes, and we have so many of those similes in English. Yeah, one thing we talk about in my English classes, sleeping like a log, you can also sleep like a baby. She always thought it was a bit weird because don't babies wake up screaming in the middle of the night? Yeah, yeah and they shit themselves. Yeah, <laughs> I tell you what, I slept like a baby last night. What you 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 wake woke up crying uh, with piss and shit in your pants. That sounds yeah. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like a bad night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, moving on. Um, if you need a shoulder to cry on, I hope it will be mine. Don't you be sad, just call me tonight. Anytime at all. Down, down, down. Anytime at all. Anytime at all. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think John Lennon would give people a shoulder to cry on, going back to the adjectives. I think there's quite a lot of evidence for that, that he would be, he was quite a caring person, had that caring side. If someone was upset, yes, uh, to give someone a shoulder to cry on, which is like to be sympathetic to someone you're willing to listen to their problems and let them cry on your shoulder. Not necessarily literally, but uh, there it is to, to give someone a shoulder to cry on. Mm. That's it. Um, uh, where are we? Now fine. I've changed my mind. I've opened up the doors. Help me my, if you can. Yeah. Help. My independence seems to vanish in the haze. So a couple of things open up the doors again. 
we think maybe because he just had his first LSD experience, it could be to do with The Doors of Perception, the famous book by Aldous Huxley. And then uh, My Independence seems to vanish in the haze. I mean, that's just that's quite big for mid-60s pop lyrics. That's quite... It's not the kind of thing you'd expect to find. My independence seems to vanish in the haze. Again, it could be a drug reference because haze exactly. could refer to like sort of smoke in the air when the air isn't completely clear. For example, if you look, look out across the city, you get fog or smog in the air. There's haze, there's pollution in the air. But similarly, it could be smoke in a room. And they were smoking quite a lot of you know marijuana at the time for breakfast and so there probably would have been haze around and his independence may have vanished in the haze you know his his sense of his own identity being lost in the midst of this circus that you you talked about that they they yeah it's almost like a haze of uh drugs and beatles fame you know put those two two things together and anyone would be a bit hazy Mm -hmm. um right colors i found some color references in beatles songs Da, 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 where I can go when I feel low, when I feel blue, and it's my mind. There is a place. There's a place. Very good. Yep. So when I feel blue, it's kind of an Americanism, you know, not the greatest lyric. In feeling opinion, blue, but, uh, feeling blue, though, that's, you know, that is a phrase that is used to feel blue, meaning feeling sad, feeling a bit depressed. Not sure if people use that. Does that seem like a bit old fashioned? I don't know. I think we'd probably people would probably say feeling down rather than feeling blue these days. But you yeah. know, it's the sort of thing that might pop up here and there. You might notice it, but uh, I think it's probably less than it used to be. Um, mm. Instead, people say feeling down, feeling depressed. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's green. Because I'm the one who won your love. But if it seems you're talking that way, so please listen to me if you want to stay. I told you before. Oh yeah, you you can't do that. Can't do that. Very good. Yes. Yeah. So everybody's green, uh, green with envy. So I've got the girl that everybody wants. Yeah. They're all jealous or envious. Green meaning jealous. Green is also used um, to mean something else as well. Green meaning inexperienced. so if someone can be green, especially in American English, it's the sort of thing that you notice in TV shows and stuff that we watch. Uh, if someone is green, yeah, it means they're inexperienced. I think. Yeah, I mean, people say that about Brian Epstein, that he was sort of well out of his depth when he started. Yeah. You know, he didn't, didn't wasn't a pop manager, but he just had this love, genuine devotion to the Beatles. Thank goodness. I mean, he was the driving force, I think, in, 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 yeah. in many ways, like the business side of things. Yeah, yeah. If you wear red tonight, scarlet were the clothes she wore. Uh, yes, it, yes, it is. Yeah, fantastic. How good were the Beatles' B-sides? Oh, I've got a B-side here, Rain. Oh, I've got a B-side, Revolution. Mm, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yes, it is. Yeah, amazing harmonies, beautiful vocal harmonies. Oh, Just yeah. showing, again, yet more range. Um, it was another string to their bow. In this case, they're not really using it as anything. Apparently, his mother, Julia, used to wear red. Just using red and scarlet. Interesting, a scarlet woman. Is that a woman who's been shamed? <sighs> Embarrassed for some reason. I thought it was more that uh, in the old days where, you know, sex outside marriage was a terrible thing. If a if a woman had been found to have had sex with someone that she she was called a scarlet woman, oh, I think that's right. Oh, right, really? Very old fashioned. I mean, I don't think anyone would ever say that anymore. But. It's the sort of thing that you know. I mean, you know, Beatles uh, being well read and stuff like that. It might have been an image that there was just in their heads. I'm, I'm checking out. Yeah, scarlet woman, according to dictionary.com. Mm. Uh, it's not one of the dictionaries I normally use, but Scarlet Woman. Yeah, they say a sexually promiscuous woman, especially a prostitute or a woman who commits adultery. Um, yeah, it's certainly not something we use these days, but it's there. It's there. Yeah. And it's maybe in old books and things. So a Scarlet Woman. Oh, interesting that. Uh, yeah, the Scarlet were the clothes she wore. So a Scarlet Woman. Yeah, what's going on mm. there in that song? Yeah, well, well um, oh, God, sorry, it's a bit of a tangent, but. Uh... Really, really good book called The Renegade History of the United States by Thaddeus Russell. And he appears a lot on podcasts. You'll find him. He's always worth listening to. Yeah. 
and he was saying in a weird way um he, he does a history of the united states which shows you how uh, the underclasses shaped the history so uh uh poor black people um uh literally put black people in poverty uh, their style of music and their style of dress was was eventually aped and taken up by white people. And the other thing was that uh, he makes a very controversial case that uh, prostitutes were actually, uh, uh, what's the word, sort of harbingers of women's liberation. Because in those days, the only, the only women who wore bright colours were prostitutes. And it was almost a way of showing that they were prostitutes. Because women in general... Uh, generally wore like black, white, grey, those kind of colours. And and men as well, to be honest. If you look at old photos, obviously they're in black and white, but you don't see a lot of bright colours. So, mm-hmm. And uh, Julia was, his mother was quite promiscuous. She was quite ahead of her time in a, in a funny way. And it, it's, tr- it's fascinating and tragic to, to think of you know, what she would have been in the 60s, you know, seeing her son's fame. I mean, it's just, it's heartbreaking really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Mm. Mm. All right. Um, very interesting. This is a good piece of. Uh, okay, you don't have to guess this because this is the title. Uh. Oh, actually, I'll play the beginning. Oh dear, what can I do? So, what are you getting? Babies in black. <laughs> babies in black. Babies in black, and I'm feeling blue. So, a nice bit of black, and babies in black, and I'm feeling blue. This could be a reference to another woman, uh, Astrid, um, to do with uh, the fact that Stuart Sutcliffe had died. And she tended to wear black, uh, which I think she wore that anyway, because it was uh, connected with a sort of, with, with art, you know. But yeah, uh, nice bit of wordplay. Baby's in black and I feel blue. Yeah. yeah. I always, you know, these little things, these little clues or hints, whenever I listen to Beatles songs, I'm always kind of speculating in my head about what they could mean. And when you mm. say that, you know, Baby's in black, you know, it's about Astrid, who was their friend from from Hamburg, and she would wear black because she was an existentialist. Exes, they used to call them. And uh, then Stuart Sutcliffe, John's best friend, fell in love with Astrid. Although I wonder if the others like had a crush on her too. But Stuart was the one that ended up with her. And uh, then Stuart like, tragically died of a brain hemorrhage. And mm. um, John would have been very, very upset about it. So baby's in black and I'm feeling blue. I don't know. Is there anything to it? Maybe. Yeah. And again, his caring side came out. Astrid has said many times, you know, he was amazing after Stuart died. Amazingly caring. Yeah. Um, all right, next one. Um, now now we're getting to sort of imagery and more sort of veiled references. Uh, when the sun shines, they slip into the shade and sip their lemonade. Yeah, so it's rain. Mm. When the sun shines, they slip into the shade and sip their lemonade. Um, well, this again, this is this is very much open to interpretation. But one interpretation is, is it, it's about people hiding away from the truth. So the sun might be, I don't know, like the new liberated era, and they don't they don't want to be part of it, so they slip in the shade and sip their lemonade. It's like they're they're running away from. You know, I don't know, but I think he may have mentioned that. That's the only reason I would say that, you know, because you could you could almost say anything about anything, couldn't you? Mm. You know, you could read anything into these kind of lyrics. But, yeah, just a B-side. <laughs> <laughs> One of their best songs, definitely. And, yeah. and like the basis of, the enti- of, of Oasis's entire musical catalogue is the mm. song Rain. It's just like, it just sounds like the Oasis because they just copied it completely. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, like, but certainly those lyrics in that song, like John is kind of, sort of showing a sort of contempt for, for 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 people who he feels, I don't know which people it is exactly, but just ordinary people who haven't be, have woken up, um, because this is in his post LSD period, and he's kind of saying, you know, aren't they stupid? You know, when it's when the sun c- shines, they go outside to have their picnics and stuff, and when the sun shines, they escape from the sun. It's almost like it could be like a bit of stand-up comedy, isn't it? Like you mm. know, you could twist it and turn it into a bit of observational comedy. It's like you know, what's the deal with people? They go outside and the sun's shining, and when the sun comes out, they they go in the shade. Like, do you want to be in the sun or in the shade? Like, make up your mind. Maybe best as a song. Absolutely. Probably best as a song, actually. <laughs> um, and then when it when the rain comes, they they run and hide their heads. 
That's it. They it's might... like hiding. Yeah, they're hiding, you know. They're... Yeah, always hiding away from the elements, the elemental forces that are coming towards them, going out, hiding from the sun, hiding from the rain. They, uh, yeah, they run and hide their heads. They might as well be dead. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny with it's funny with Revolver. There's lots and lots of references to death. I think that was a big change, you know. Rubber Soul. George said Rubber Soul and Revolver could have been part one and part two. I don't agree with that at all. No. I think, uh, you know, suddenly they're talking about death, ego death, literal death. Quite amazing. Yeah, I, 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 I heard Robert Rodriguez make that very point in an episode of, of something about the Beatles podcast. Mm. And, yeah, yeah, it's true. Like, so many of the songs on Revolver are about death. There's like Taxman, you know, when, you know, for those who die, cover a, you know, put a penny on each eye. Declare the pennies on your eyes. That's a great line. Declare the pennies on your eyes. Declare it as tax. Yeah. This is from the, the old tradition, which was that when people died, you'd, that pennies, coins would be put over their eyes, first of all, to cover their eyes, but secondly, to, to pay the, the, I guess the person taking the body away. No, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I always thought it was. Yeah, I don't know. You might be right. I know it's definitely to cover the eyes. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe a payment to someone as well. But um, mm. yeah, so um, but yeah, for the my advice, my advice for those who die, yeah, declare each penny on your eyes. Um, yeah. So the song is about you know George complaining about having to pay tax. But fair enough, they they paid something like ninety percent. Um, in those There's days. one for you, 19 for me, which means 19 out of every 20 goes to the government. Yeah, I don't think that was. I don't think that was on their whole income, though. Yeah, that, was, that would have been on part of the income. But I mean, it is taking the piss. Let's be honest. But yeah, you so know. so many of the songs on the album reference death in some way. Yeah, it's very dark. It's a pretty dark album. It is, isn't it? Even yeah. even in the you know the last song, tomorrow never knows. He's like you know, turn off your mind, flow, f- relax and float downstream. It is not dying. This is not a line, but uh, a song with tangerine trees and marmalade skies, cellophane flowers, newspaper taxis. What would that be? It's Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Absolutely. Well, yeah, a couple of things about that. I'm, again, I'm pretty sure that Paul contributed a lot to this and because um, they did have writing sessions around Sergeant Pepper. Their writing partnership tended to come sort of in and out. Rubber Soul, they wrote a lot of that together. I think when they were under time pressure, that's when they would actually get down to it and have these famous three-hour writing sessions. But, uh, yeah, very interesting. Uh, this really is a sort of combination of Alice in Wonderland and LSD, rather like, um, if you know the Jefferson Airplane song, White Rabbit, mm-hmm. you know, it's like um, take this pill and it, one pill makes you larger. And that's Alice in Wonderland, but clearly it's LSD as well. And interestingly, Lewis Carroll, um, I read a book years ago about creativity. Lewis Carroll used to have terrible migraines which is like a very, very painful headache. You know, it's a very extreme headache. And uh, apparently he would get visions. So Lewis Carroll was, was getting psychedelic visions a uh, hundred years before John Lennon. Lewis, Lewis Carroll, the, the man who wrote Alice in Wonderland mm. and a big influence on John Lennon. Yeah. Cause there's always been speculation about whether Lewis Carroll was somehow using psychedelics and if psychedelic experiences had influenced Alice in Wonderland uh, mm. but ah, uh, powerful migraine headaches or migraine headaches can can produce uh, hallucinations and visions Amazing, and things yeah okay interesting that i mean uh, no, just another sort of comedic note about that um we reviewed a book very very good beatles book riding so high the beatles and drugs and it's a very very even-handed look at their relationship with drugs like good and bad but they describe um uh lsd was synthesized in a laboratory by Albert Hoffman, who's either Germany or Switzerland, anyway, in 1943. And he famously, uh, he, I think he ingested it by accident once, and then he took a, he did it on purpose, and he famously went off riding on his bike. And in the book, they quote what he wrote about this experience. And it's so funny to see like a, a, a German or Swiss scientist in 1943, I joked, he wrote Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds then, because it's it's not quite as surreal, but it, it it he just describes these amazing visions. You know, that's during the war, it's during the Second World War. You know, that's that's decades removed from the nineteen sixties. Yeah, interesting. 
Okay, so we're going to do a quick fire round now where you just say a line and I will identify the song. And we're not going to go deep into the lyrics, but we may come back for another um, episode uh, at a later date where we do go into more detail about these things. So quick fire round then. Okay. No one I think is in my tree. That is uh, Strawberry Fields Forever. So he's using my tree as an image of on my wavelength, basically, like I'm either a genius or I'm mad or both. Mm -hmm. Semolina Pilchard climbing up the Eiffel Tower. Um, that's I'm the Walrus. So that's a bizarre imagery, but it does make a reference to Sergeant Pilcher, who was the one who started busting pop stars. The police officer who was, yeah, arresting the pop stars for possession of drugs, uh, Sergeant yeah. Pilcher. Yeah. The cl- uh, next one. The clouds will be a daisy chain, so let me see you smile again. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence, so that's uh, an image. The clouds will be a daisy chain. It's all about it's lots of childlike imagery. Yeah. That was famously written about Mia Farrow's sister in India who would who would lock herself in her room meditating all day. Um, her hair of floating sky is shimmering, glimmering in the sun. Julia. Julia, yeah. So her hair of floating sky. Again, th- this is quite Dylan-esque. This is what he got from Bob Dylan, the idea of just putting images that don't really make sense but they evoke a hair of floating sky is shimmering. I mean, it's a lovely image. Mm. Um, my mother was of the sky. My father was of the earth, but I am of the universe. And you know what it's worth. I'm lonely. Um, the eagle picks them up. What is it? The eagle picks my eagle bones. Picks my eye. Eagle, the eagle picks, picks my eye. The worm, he licks my bones. <sighs> Amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Blues. Yeah, blue. So using mothers of the sky, the earth, the universe. So again, sort of nature imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, words are flowing out like endless rain into a paper cup. Pools of sorrow, waves of joy. Uh, across the universe. Yeah, just again, amazing imagery. Words are flowing out like endless rain into a paper cup. Um, this is from his solo career. As again, I didn't really find too many because I had a Beatles lyrics book, so it was easy to find them. Don't need a gun to blow your mind. Don't need a gun to blow your mind. It's whatever gets you through the night. Very good. Mm. So blow your mind is like, yeah, amaze you, surprise you. Yeah. Uh, one you mentioned earlier, no longer riding on the merry-go-round. I just had to let it go. That's uh, watching the wheels. Yeah, so I think the merry-go-round here is the pop music business. Would you say, like, he retired for five years? Absolutely. That's that's what the song's all about, really. It's like him sort of, like, retiring from the music industry, even though lots of people don't understand his decision, and everyone's like, oh, come on, don't you want to get back in the big time? And he's like, no, no, you don't understand. I'm just sitting here watching the wheels go around, watching shadows on the wall. Yeah, love it. Yeah, love it. This is actually the last one, so we've done it. Um uh, you won't you won't have to guess the song here, but mother, you had me, but I never had you. And a very interesting double meaning of mother, you had me, as in you gave birth to me, but I never had you. Yeah, um, being, he never really had a relationship with her properly. So, yeah, so that's that's from the song Mother. Yeah, um, Plastic Ono Band. Yeah, my favourite John Lennon album by Miles. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Anthony, it's time to wrap up here meaning NBA. oh can't we do another hour come on well maybe we can do another hour. Uh, we can do more at another time perhaps um but oh, i think good. for this particular session it's time to call it uh quits here um and call it a day but this has been great it's been really interesting thank you so much for talking to us all about john lennon and the beatles and um you know i'm very curious to see what the audience um you know how the audience responds to this with their comments and things like that but this is great and uh keep up the good work with uh, glass onion on john lennon the podcast mm-hmm. film gold the the film review uh podcast and the mm-hmm. third one is on what what's the no, th- life and life only life and life only the third podcast so listeners will find links to those um in the usual places uh but yeah this, this has been great again thank you it's been lots of fun yeah it's nice to put my english teaching chops and my john lennon chops into action uh yeah it's been great thanks for having me on the show and uh yeah i'm sure we'll do something in the future yes come on glass onion if you want is there anything you want to talk about well, i don't know if i could um really kind of contribute that much to glass onion considering the sort of level of expertise that you've had from your guests and there's the the first hand accounts you know the primary evidence that you've got on there i mean i'm a huge fan i can ramble but uh 
I don't know if I'm qualified to be on. Well, we'll, we'll pretend you're the son of a doorman at the Dakota. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll come up with something. Yeah, but, maybe. Uh, no, open invitation. If there's any like documentary you want to review or album you want to review, because I haven't really. It's weird actually. I haven't. He he only made a few solo albums, and I've barely covered any of them. It's weird. I, for some reason, I just I'm a bit loath to go into that territory because I, I think I think what I'm suffering from at the moment a bit is is Beatles opinion fatigue because I'm in this community and it's always fun, but someone will say, oh, that's a great song. And someone will say, no, I don't think it's a great song. And it's like, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I find opinions to be a bit tiresome sometimes, or certainly disagreement. I don't necessarily want that. You know, what I like from my Beatles podcasts and stuff is sort of insight, you know, and anecdotes. Um, I like stories, insights, and I also like new approaches. I just like new ways of looking at the whole thing, new perspectives and, and things like that. I always find that interesting. And first-hand accounts, when there are people who actually knew them, anyone who actually ever met the Beatles or even, you know, glimpsed them once, I want the full, like, <laughs> two-hour story of it. Yeah. Yeah, it is like gold when you actually get somebody. Um, my friend Sam, who does the Paul or Nothing podcast, he just managed to get Denny Sywell who was one of the original Wings members. I haven't yeah. listened to it yet. I'm going to listen to it later today, but that's a real coup when you get someone like that. Yeah. Sam's mm. amazing. I mean, <laughs> we just did however many lessons, uh, however many episodes on John Lennon. Maybe I now have to, uh, I have to invite Sam Wiles onto the podcast to talk about Paul, but maybe that would be a bit much, um, but uh, we'll see. But anyway, yeah. I, I think you should. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, 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 He's a he's what I call an HVG, a high value guest. He is fantastic. He's, uh, he is mm. he's great. He's got a uh, he's got the gift for the gab for sure. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, great, Anthony. Thank you again, and you know, keep in touch. I'll be listening to your podcast, and um, you know, come back onto the podcast at some point. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Thanks a lot, and all the best. Good okay. luck with the podcast and everything else. Cheers. So there you go. Thanks again to Anthony Rotuno for his contribution in this episode and in fact this entire series because this is the last one now. This is the last one in the whole Beatles series that I've been doing. I certainly hope that you've enjoyed these episodes. Let me know in the comments section how they have been for you and please do let me know what you think. Right, so during that conversation, oh yeah, I should also say actually beforehand... Uh, again, about Anthony Rotuno and his podcasts. Don't forget to check them out. They are sort of very insightful and, you know, lots of um, interesting comments and perspectives and things. So there's Glass Onion on John Lennon. And then the other one is called Film Gold. And then thirdly, it's Life and Life Only. And those podcasts are all available wherever you get your podcasts. And you'll find podcast links for them as well on the page for this episode. Right, so I said earlier on, didn't I, that uh, I'd go through some of the language. And as I sort of went, you know, as I listened to that episode again, I made a note of bits of vocabulary, phrases, and other sort of bits of use of English. And it's quite a long list, actually. So let me fly through this. I won't be flying, I won't be going through it in the same way that I would go through vocab in a premium episode. In those episodes, I tend to take a lot more time and lots more examples and all the other things like the tests and the pronunciation practice. This time, I'm just going to kind of quickly recap some of the bits of language that came up here just as a reminder. Okay. So, I mean, Anthony made the comment that in the early years of the Beatles songs, especially their first pop hit singles, uh, they used lots of pronouns. It was from me to you, she loves you, I this, you that, me, us, you know, all those sorts of things um, to highlight the sort of personal connection that they had with their audience. Later on, they started using more imagery in the lyrics and also just obviously bits of English uh, crop up. So one of them was, I'm going to love her until the cows come home which I think is from a song called When I Get Home. So until the cows come come home just means like for ages, uh, forever, basically. According to Colin, colinsdictionary.com, it just means for a very long time. Okay, so I'm going to love her until the cows come home. Next, uh, a chip on my shoulder. A chip on your on your shoulder. So this basically 
It's an expression that someone feels angry or they feel resentment because they think that they've been treated unfairly in the past. Or maybe they feel that they've got like a inferiority complex. They feel inferior in some way. And so they act up to try and um, sort of counterbalance that feeling of inadequacy. That's someone who's got like a bad attitude. They've got a chip on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, my heart went boom when I crossed that room. So the onomatopoeia of boom, boom, uh, buzz, hum. These are all onomatopoeias, words that look and sound like the things they describe. Uh, it won't be long till I belong to you. Nice little wordplay. It won't be long till I belong to you. Um, I don't know why she's riding so high. And that sort of made us think of expressions like to be on your high horse. If you're sort of taking a morally superior position in a condescending way, you you know, you can say that someone is on their high horse. Um, I'll make a point of taking her away from you. This is nice just because of the expression, I'll make a point of doing something. Meaning I'll really think about, think carefully about doing it and I'll do it for a specific reason or to show people something. I'll make a point of... Um, you know, replying to your email first, or uh, he made a point of answering her question directly. Um, I'll make a point of taking her away from you. Uh, I sat on her rug, biding my time. If you bide your time, it's just kind of like you just let your time, you let the time go by um, and uh, wait, essentially. Wait for a good opportunity before doing something. So he kind of waited um in this woman's apartment, sitting on her rug, biding his time, drinking her wine. Uh, This bird has flown. Bird in in British English can mean a girl. So in in this sense, it could be this bird has flown, meaning this girl has gone. She left. Uh, Please don't spoil my day. I'm miles away. If you're miles away, it means you're daydreaming and you're not really concentrating on what's going on at the moment. So if you are ever a student in one of my classes and you're not paying attention, and I say, hey, you know, what, what, what do you think? Question three, and you've no idea what I'm talking about. Then you could say, sorry, Luke, I was miles away and you'll get bonus points. Um, if she's gone, I can't go on feeling two foot small. Well, we don't really say feeling two foot small, but you might say feeling 10 foot tall. If you feel 10 foot tall, if you feel really proud of yourself, very pleased with yourself. Uh, you're breaking my heart. Well, obviously, we know to break someone's heart to upset the apple cart. This means to upset the situation, to make the situation go kind of out of control. The apple cart would be a wooden cart used to carry apples. If you upset it, you knock it over and all the apples tumble away. So to upset the apple cart is to upset the situation, cause a problem of some kind that has to be sorted out. But uh, where there's a will, there's a way, which is a nice expression used by Neil Innes in one of his songs. Where there's a will, there's a way. It means if you are mentally prepared to do it, then you'll find a way to do it. A will, meaning willpower, your sense of what you want to do or what you're prepared to do. Where there's a will, there's a way, meaning we'll find a way of, of sorting this out. He was like a wolf in sheep's clothing. A wolf in sheep's clothing, you can imagine would be someone dangerous and sort of frightening or something but dressed up as if they're normal and harmless okay a wolf in sheep's clothing so you know like a serial killer you know he got away with it because he was like a wolf in sheep's clothing he seemed to be so ordinary and harmless but in fact underneath it he was a serial killer um an iron hand in a velvet glove hmm interesting one this iron hand in a velvet glove Let's have a look at what the internet says. Um, Cambridge. An iron hand or an iron fist in a velvet glove, glove used to describe someone who seems to be gentle but is in fact forceful and determined. So they've got a very sort of gentle manner, but actually they're very forceful and determined. Uh, an iron hand in a velvet glove. Okay. Uh, working like a dog. I mean, do we say that? Have you been? All right. Yeah, I've been working like a dog. I've been working hard. Maybe sleeping like a log. It's actually more common to say to sleep like a baby, which is strange because, as we know, babies don't exactly sleep in the most sort of restful way sometimes. If you need a shoulder to cry on, to have a shoulder to cry on, that means someone who will be sympathetic to your problems. Uh, to, and you can give someone a shoulder to cry on as well. Uh, to open up the doors. Anthony was talking about the doors of perception, so maybe a little hint of psychedelic influence. The doors of perception written by Aldous Huxley. 
about his sort of psychedelic experiences and it influenced that band the doors so the doors kind of represents opening your mind in the sort of psychedelic way um my independence seems to vanish in the haze the haze remember a sort of unclear air maybe smoky air or pollution smog the haze fog mist in the air okay um haze like purple haze as well i suppose um it was another string to their bow so we were talking about the vocal harmonies of one of the songs and if you have another string to your bow it means it's another skill that you have which generally makes you stronger okay so you know i play guitar it's another string to my bow um there's a place where i can go where i feel when i feel low when i feel blue so to feel blue meaning to feel sad or to feel depressed or down uh, everybody's green because i'm the one who won your love nice wordplay as well there one who won it sounds so similar i'm the one who won your love everybody's green so green means jealous in this context and oh dear what can i do baby's in black and i'm feeling blue so there's feeling blue again and then finally just some imagery um not really specific language just nice imagery at the end things like when the sun shines they slip into the shade and sip their lemonade um and we talked about sort of possible meanings of that with tangerine tree with tangerine trees and marmalade skies cellophane flowers of yellow and green so psychedelic poetry no one i think is in my tree i mean he means sort of on my wavelength meaning no one thinks in the same way as him no one is on his wavelength uh, semolina pilchard climbing up the eiffel tower again more weird imagery that one from uh, i am the walrus uh, the clouds will be a daisy chain. A daisy chain, this is when you pick these little flowers which have um, sort of yellow in the middle and white uh, petals, and you can sort of stick them together to form a daisy chain. The clouds will be a daisy chain, so let me see you smile again. Sort of nice, innocent stuff. Her hair of floating sky is shimmering. So it doesn't really sort of... is stretching the language here a little bit. Her hair of floating sky. I mean, I don't really know what that means literally, but it's sort of imagery. You can imagine her hair floating in the sky is, is shimmering, glimmering in the sun. Shimmering, sort of like shining or glittering. Glimmering like gold would. And my mother was of the sky. My father was of the earth, but I'm of the universe and you know what it's worth. Um, meaning it's not worth a lot. Like he doesn't, th- he's, he's lonely, as he says in the song. Words are flowing out like endless rain into a paper cup. Sort of nice imagery of of fluidity, fluency, fluid. You know, water flowing like endless rain into a paper cup. Nice cadence to those words. Pools of sorrow, waves of joy. Um, Don't need a gun to blow your mind. To blow your mind, meaning to, again, sort of open your mind or um, educate you, sort of... Um, open up your mind completely Uh, no longer riding on the merry-go-round i just had to let it go a merry-go-round is a children's um, sort of ride that you might find in the park and it goes round and round and round and often they will sit on horses that go up and down that's a merry-go-round so uh, john was sort of talking about how the music industry was like the merry-go-round and he's no longer riding it and then, mother, you had me, but I never had you. You had me, meaning I, you gave birth to me, but I never had you because you were never really in my life. Sad at the end there. But there you go. That has been the Beatles series. Conversation with my mum. A conversation with uh, Anthony about John Lennon. The two episodes with adjectives. And then finally, this one about lyrics. I hope you've enjoyed this. I will speak to you again on the podcast soon. But for now... It's just time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Wait a minute, that's not the end of the episode. I thought that it would be appropriate to finally sing another song on the guitar at the end of this episode. You know the way this works. We're at the end of the episode, so if you don't want to hear me singing, then you can just stop listening now and you've already heard bye, bye, bye and everything's good. But if you are happy to listen to me sing, then I thought I would do... Uh, a song for you again so this one is norwegian wood which is one of the songs that we mentioned in this episode uh basically the story of a guy kind of being seduced by a woman and then he ends up sleeping in the bath and it's like this weird sort of thing where he is from an they're from different worlds like she's sort of laughing about how she's got to work in the morning and he doesn't 
and it's all weird. It's sort of like a coded story of John having an affair with someone. And she's very proud of her very trendy apartment that's decorated or made with Norwegian wood. And um, that's kind of the title of the song. Okay, it's 1965 from the Rubber Soul album. And here it is. should I say she once had me she showed me her room isn't it good Norwegian wood she asked me to stay and she told me to sit anywhere so I looked around and I noticed there wasn't a chair sat on a rug biding my time drinking her wine we talked until two and then she said it's time for bed told me she worked in the morning and started to laugh I told her I didn't and crawled off to sleep in the bath and when I awoke I was alone this bird had flown so I lit a fire isn't it good Norwegian wood Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra and united healthcare makes it easy with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company they supplement your primary plan helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods so when it comes to covering your medical bills you can feel good about being a little extra visit uh1.com to find the health protector guard plan for you If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.